brace for adventure with the ladies of Gotham as the birds of prey fly into another adventure. Today we're taking a look at Batgirl and the Birds of Prey Volume 2 Source Code coming right up. Welcome to the Classy Comics Podcast, where we search for the best comics in the universe. From Boise, Idaho, here is your host, Adam Graham. Welcome to the Classy Comics Podcast. Be sure and check out our website, ClassyComicsGuy.com. Email me at ClassyComicsGuy at gmail.com. And follow us on Twitter at ClassyComicsGuy. The Birds of Prey began in 1995. In the post-crisis universe, Barbara Gordon was put in a wheelchair by the Joker, thus ending her career as Batgirl. However, she found a new career as Oracle. Her hacking skills and ability to master technology made her an asset to so many heroes, and she started her own uh, team, the Birds of Prey, with uh, Black Canary being a key member. When the DC Universe was rebooted with the New 52, the timeline changed so that after a time in a wheelchair, Barbara was able to walk again and now is active again as Batgirl. However, there was a Birds of Prey during this New 52 era. It wasn't as successful as the old one and didn't last long. But with the DC Rebirth Initiative, it returned this time under the title Batgirl and the Birds of Prey. Black Canary teamed up with Batgirl in the initial story, and they met the Huntress, Helena Bertinelli. She was introduced in the uh, post uh, in the New 52 world as an agent of Spiral, and then resumed her classic identity of the Huntress to find revenge for her family's murder by mobsters. At the end of that story, which ended with her not exactly getting revenge, but justice instead, she joined the Birds of Prey. And we have our current team of Batgirl, Black Canary, and the Huntress. Batgirl and the Birds of Prey Volume 2 source code actually contains three different stories. It Uh, ranges from issue 7 to issue 13 of the series. Issue 7 is a one-off Soldiers of Fortune, which begins with a supervillain fight, but the main plot is about them uncovering why Barbara's realtor has been constantly spying on the property. And that involves uh, Huntress and Black Canary going undercover. This is just a pretty fun story. You have Huntress deciding to go and spend the night at Black Canary's house and really uh, annoyed by how Spartan it is. But she gets up in the morning and sees an espresso machine and notes that Black Canary owns a high-end espresso machine but not a pillow. To which Black Canary replies, Priority. That's just a very nice little idiosyncrasy there. The real estate agents, it's kind of interesting what they're doing, is that their big specialty 
is selling homes that have been previously occupied by supervillains. Because once they get thrown into jail or Arkham Asylum, well, their house is going to be uh, available and on the market. As they say it, when uh, one of these guys go to the big house, we have an open house. And we get to see a few of the homes that have previously held supervillains. And it's nice, and I think that the uh, idea of of Huntress and Black Canary uh, in disguise is played pretty well. And there's a clever solution and resolution to this thread that's been working through the book. Uh, this is, it's not like a huge issue, but I think it's important because it establishes the baseline relationship uh, between these three characters and after the events of the first arc through which Helena was mostly on the outside. The second story is Blackbird. It begins with Dick Grayson pursuing the uh, metahuman Gemini from Bloodhaven to Gotham, and when he finally catches her, finds out that she her powers are so enhanced he can't handle her. And thus the birds of prey lend a hand. They find out that her powers were enhanced due to training from a metahuman named Blackbird. And so Black Canary Dinah Lance goes undercover at a metahuman fight club at hopes of being recruited and groomed by Blackbird. This was a pretty decent story. The whole uh, metahuman fighting club reminded me of an episode of Justice League Unlimited, and not one of the ones I actually liked. Still, I thought this was a well-told and well-paced story. It does end with a bit of a crossover as both Dick Grayson as Nightwing and uh, Oliver Queen the Green Arrow uh, get involved in it. But I like that they brought in two people who had a legitimate reason to be there, and they didn't just overwhelm us with characters. I know sometimes when they get in a crossover, they're like, okay, we're going to bring in some additional characters. Let's bring in every possible character. Uh, no, they brought in two characters who didn't uh, distract from our heroes, and the result is a satisfying, if not spectacular, story. And then finally, we have the uh, titular story for the volume, Source Code. I should mention that throughout this book, a character named Gus has actually been the uh, current Oracle first arc of Rebirth had uh, Batgirl investigating who had been using her old name. And it led to Gus, who had been a fan and had taken up the banner. However, during the last adventure, there were some clues dropped that Gus had a double life and maybe compromising the team. And so this arc opens with Black Canary and Huntress holding him upside down on the top of the clock tower. And when Gus pointed out that Batgirl had a no-killing code, she points out that that's why he she's having the other two hold him. Gus then explains what's going on, and how he was recruited by the supervillain known as the Calculator, who was a longtime foe of Oracle. Calculator recruited Gus when he was pretending to be Oracle. 
And Gus worked a hacking job, which he knew was immoral, but which paid the bills and which he tried to uh, justify by doing good things with the money, like giving uh, big amounts to charity or paying off his mother's home. And the story does show the compassion of the uh, team, because they go from holding him upside down to... Barbara Bean understanding as he tells them about his bipolar disorder and how he hid it from them for fear that they would think he was crazy. And the whole team gets together to help him. And they confront Calculator, but find out that what Calculator really needs is some stolen goods returned from someone he helped to rip off because these people responded by kidnapping his wife and children. And again, you see the compassion and general sense of decency because this guy has been Barbara Gordon's enemy for years. But she still steps up to try and save his family because that's just who she is. The book shows that A villain can be multifaceted. Gus emphasizes in describing Calculator that just because he was a supervillain didn't stop him from having a a family that he loved, from employing a lot of people with good jobs, and from running an ecologically responsible company. But I also like how when you get to the end of the story, the book kind of flips that on on its head, which to say just because he's got a family he loves, because he employs a lot of people and has provided some help to some people in in the course of that, doesn't mean that he's not also capable of monstrous evil. And very quickly after his particular problem is resolved. Well, they find out that Catwoman was actually involved in the uh, heist and has possession of a jewel that was stolen. And I love the way issue 11 ends with the reveal of Catwoman. There's a pizza delivery guy at her door, and she's holding the diamond, and she says, You're early, kid. I haven't had time to change out of my work clothes. I'm also a little short on cash. Can you break 45 carats? I just love that scene. Of course, uh, Catwoman isn't the type to uh, hold on to a stolen jewel when someone's life is at stake. But it turns out that she only broke in there to steal not only the jewel, but something else for Poison Ivy. So Poison Ivy becomes involved in the story as well. And fighting the uh, particular villains at this corporation that's holding the calculator's family hostage. I won't spoil all the details, but the book does end with uh, Catwoman and Poison Ivy at least temporarily joining up with the Birds of Prey. I'm not quite sure about the move, and I'm worried they might crowd out the uh, three main uh, characters who I really like working together as a team. I'm also a little curious about what Catwoman was even doing, uh, stealing the jewels, giving the status of her relationship with uh, 
uh, Bruce Wayne slash Batman. Though I do think if the marriage does end up going through, she's probably going to have to give up her little bouts of larceny. Overall, I found this to be a pretty fun book. The stories aren't great, but they're certainly not bad, and they're told with a great sense of fun and adventure. The characters are likable. I just enjoy reading a book featuring them having uh, these adventures together. The artists do change uh, several times in the course of the book. I think there's three artist changes in the course of the book. I didn't find it that distracting, though some others might. Still, overall, I'm going to give Batgirl and the Birds of Prey, Volume 2, Source Code, a rating of classy. It's just a fun comic to read. I thoroughly enjoyed it. All right, well, that will do it for now. If you have a comment, send it to me, classycomicsguy at gmail.com, and check out our website, classycomicsguy.com, and follow us on Twitter at classycomicsguy. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.